This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, as well as LastWordOnSports.com. Make sure you head on over there if you're not there already after this show airs. You know, if you're listening on Stitcher, hell, on your iPhone, on iTunes, check out MMASucker.com on Safari or Android or wherever you're checking it out, and check out LastWordOnSports.com as well. I've got a fantastic show for your listening pleasure today. Two great guests kicking things off. Joining me right off the hop is one championship welterweight champion, Ben Askren. He'll be joining me in a little bit. Also on the show to talk about himself, as well as UFC 193, is uh, the Parting Shot podcast host, James Lynch. He'll join me to round out the show But as always, it seems like I am saying this each and every week. It is fight week. UFC 193 goes down in Melbourne, Australia. The chosen one, Ronda Rousey, undefeated still. Will she be undefeated following this contest? Probably. She takes on Holly Holm. And, uh, yeah. In the co-main event, Joanna Young-Jacek takes on Valerie Letourneau. Two fights, the champions will retain their belts. And if they don't, uh, I don't know if I'll continue to watch MMA. No, I'm just joking. But still, those two should win. It's a great card. Check it out. Check out UFC.com for the fight card. And head on over to MMASucker.com for all your MMA needs. So with that, let's get right into my first guest. One championship, 32, main event fighter, Ben Askren. Joining me now is the one championship welterweight champion, Funky himself, Mr. Ben Askren. Ben, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, as I said to you before we started recording here, it's only 7 a.m. in the morning, my time. I know you're already in Singapore, so it's late night. What have you yeah. been getting up to all day? Um. Well, I got, I got up early in the morning. I, I got a workout in. I got... Two of my guys over here from Milwaukee with me, so we did a, you know, a little light sparring. I don't do any sparring in the week of just because you don't want to get injured or nothing. So we 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 dinked around a little bit, um, grabbed some lunch. I did some media stuff and then chilled out and read for a while. Is coming over to uh, when you've gone overseas and, and done that before? Is it something that you've done in the past? Coming over as early as you have, like you got over there quite quite extensively early uh, in comparison to when fight day is. Uh, is that something that you normally yeah. tend to do? Yeah, there's a, a nice gym over here called Evolve that I like to work with, and uh, Singapore is a great country, so it's it's nice to come a little early. Um, get my mind on the fight, get in the right mode, and get in the right time zone. What what differs for you in in terms of not just uh, the training aspects, but the fighting? What differs between fighting there and fighting in Asia or fighting in America? Yeah, 
Um, n- nothing really. I mean, you know, like I tell people, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. People try to make it more complex than it is. Then the day you're going to walk down a ramp, you're going to step into a cage, they're going to lock it and you got to hurt the other person or he's going to hurt you. And that, and that's what it comes down to. So, um, you know, not, not very many differences between here and America. Well, actually, I take that back. There's a better rule set over here. You can kick them and knee them <laughs> in the head when you're on the ground. It, less rules, less regulation makes for a more real fight. No kidding. Now, you, speaking of a real fight, you'll take on Luis Santos in a rematch from your one championship 26 matchup. That one ended with a controversial eye poke. Talk us through that outing. Many obviously said Santos getting the better of you despite it only being two minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he had some success. It was, uh, it was short. It was you know, less than 10% of what a real fight is. The, you know, the fight was scheduled for five, five minute rounds, 25 minutes. And the fight was ended up being two minutes and 19 seconds. So, uh, he had some success, landed a few kicks, stopped a few takedowns, but my plan against him was to keep the pressure on hard and heavy fast because I heard he was a, uh, a fast starter, and, and with guys that are fast starters, you don't put that pressure on and give them a, as few uh, opportunities as little space as possible. Um, and I had felt him already starting to fade, you know, within the, the short time we were fighting. So I thought my plan was going to work out the way I wanted it to work out, but obviously it was prematurely ended by uh, an unfortunate eye poke, which I obviously think he played up a little more than necessary because um, you're an MMA fan and you know that very, very few MMA fights. And when there is an eye poke, I mean, very small percentage. And I did not poke him that bad. You know, it's kind of kind of caught him a little bit. It happens in mixed martial arts. Yeah, you. I heard an interview where you said that you not only think that he he not faked the eye poke, but faked the you know getting out of it, faking not understanding yeah. English. I mean, yeah. why would someone do this? Do you think? That he was just trying to find a way out. Was he was he already gassed? Did he feel your pressure? What, what do you yeah. what was going through your head when you heard, "Hey, uh, the fight's over." Well, I, I could tell almost immediately that his body language was leaning that way, uh, you know. And then you you know if you watch the film, you can see me in there going like, "Hey, this, come on, let's go, let's fight. This is ridiculous," you know. And then he's trying to say. The doctor's saying, open your eye, and he's saying, I don't understand. But the doc, you know, it's like, what, what the hell else do you think the damn doctor wants yeah. to do? He wants <laughs> you to open your eye so he can see what's wrong with you. Um, and then the referee was saying, do you want to continue? And he was saying, I don't understand. And it's like, come on, bro, you got 80 fights. You have 80 fights. Someone at some point has asked you if you want to continue or not. I mean, it's in every, every referee's explanation of a fight. So, um, you know, I was just, I was really annoyed by the whole situation. Uh, and, you know, I don't know what it was about him that he didn't want to fight, but I think it's pretty clear to any any observer of the fight that he did not want to continue that fight. Yeah, and with it being so short, were you able to take anything away from it that you hadn't done preparing-wise coming into that fight? Like, did you change any of your game plan for this rematch? No, not really. I, I just need to execute on my takedowns. I, I didn't respect his takedown defense enough, so I was, I was just a little over aggressive with the takedowns, and I should have just tightened him up a little bit. So um, I think that's really it. Because once I get on top, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long, hard night for him. 
For sure. Now this fight hasn't had a heck of a lot of promotion in North America. Do you feel do you feel that that matters as as the Asian audience, you know, it's huge no matter what over there for your fights and and for all of one championship's fights or would you like to get more exposure in North America for for these one championship outings? Um, well, I know one championships focus on the Asian market first and foremost, and they don't do a lot of North American promotion. So I knew that when I signed up for it, and then that's what I expect. And, um, I do a ton of media over here and, and there's a lot of exposure and well, that's where I'm fighting. So that's where the exposure should be, right? Agreed. (laughs) Now, when you were, I'm going to move away from one championship a little bit. When you were fighting with Bellator, the comment that was always made was, is Ben Askren truly that good because he hasn't fought the top dogs in the UFC? Do you still feel that question is legitimate? And is the UFC even on your radar at this point? Or does it matter Um, at this point in your career? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people are curious because they don't know. But I've I've went with almost every one of the top guys, and I understand where I stand. You know, I've either practiced with them, sparred with them, grappled with them. I you know, I know what they feel like. Yeah, I so um, I don't personally wonder. I know where I'm at now. Mixed martial arts is a crazy sport, right? We were four ounce gloves, and anything can happen. So you can never say without a shadow of doubt that you're going to win every single fight. But I like my chances in the UFC. Uh, that being said, I don't think it's on the horizon. No. <laughs> Good answer. Would you like to fight in the United States again before hanging up your gloves, though? Um, it's not a necessity. If it happens, it'd be cool. But if not, um, I don't think so. You know, I, I, there's not a great amount of, I don't want to say national pride, but in fighting, especially in the UFC and Bellator, there's so many Americans that people don't get excited. Um, whereas over here in Asia... You know, in some of these smaller countries, you know, whether it's Singapore or Malaysia or Philippines, that fun them. Listen, it could be a, a it could be a Filipino that's four and six, and he's on the second fight on the card, and the freaking entire audience is going nuts. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's yeah. some serious national pride there, and and um, you know, I don't necessarily feel that way in America. Um, and probably because it's so prevalent, there's so many good American fighters is most likely the story. But you know, there's not a lot of um, I don't feel that. So, no, I don't, I don't feel the need to compete at home anymore. That differs from your wrestling career, though, eh? Because, I mean, national pride is such a huge thing when it comes to collegiate wrestling. Well, no, I mean, collegiate wrestling's a, a school-by-school thing. You know, the Mizzou, the Mizzou guys cheer for the Mizzou guys. Iowa's for Iowa. And a lot of people are passionately behind their school. But, you know, I wouldn't say it's a national thing. I'd say it's more team-by-team. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, there is a strong national pride behind the Olympics, but I think that goes for every sport. Yeah, definitely. Now, over the weekend, it was announced, you know, that Ken Shamrock would take on Hoist Gracie for the third time. You had a little back and forth with Ken on Twitter. What did you think when you heard about this fight? Quite the joke or what? Um, Yeah, it's fine. I mean, you know what? Bellator is using this strategy quite effectively um, of getting older stars or older names to draw ratings, and they've drawn some really big ratings with some fights which were really, uh, I don't know if you said uncompetitive or maybe had no bearing on the division, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Bellator's doing what they need to do. They, they, they realize that they can't go heads up with the UFC at this point, and so uh, they're doing what they can to bring in ratings, and, and when you bring in ratings, you make more money, and when you make more money, you can sign more stars. So I think that's, uh, I think that's what they're going for. 
an Asian promotion that they've partnered up with Ryzen. What do you think of this New Year's Eve card? Do you think it's a good thing that Fedor's coming back? Were you a big fan of his as as the rest of the MMA world was? Yeah, I mean, he was one of the first people I uh, I followed, but oh man, I like seeing retired people stay retired. Um, there's not very many people that I can say I want to see him come out of retirement. You know, it's like, especially, uh, I mean, he could have even ended before his strike force run, and I think his legacy would have been a little safer. So, um, no, I'm not super excited to see him come out of retirement. Um, yeah, I think his career was great, and I, you know, and it's not like he's adding any more, um, I don't know, awards or, yeah. you know, any more levels. He's going to fight someone who's probably not very good. And uh, and it's not you know probably not very competitive. Speaking of awards and levels, is there anything in your mixed martial arts career that you haven't gotten done that you would like to get done? Um, you know, martial art, mixed martial arts is interesting because it's not like I always say wrestling's uh, it's very simple. If you if you think you're the best guy in the United States, you go to the U.S. Open. If you go to the U.S. Open and you place high enough, you go to the World Team Trials. If you win the world team trials, you go to the world championships and you see if you're the best guy in the world. Um, and, and so it's a very simplistic system and you get to see who the best is. Every single year, we get to know who the best guy in the world is in wrestling, right? Once, it, once a year, we find out. And in fighting, there's so many contractual boundaries and it's, it's a business, right, in addition to a sport. So, um, you know, we don't always get to see who the best guy in weight class is. So, yeah, I, you know, I've won every fight I've been in. And uh, I plan on keeping that going. And so, no, I can't say there's anything I, I want to accomplish that I haven't. For sure. Now, I know you've been asked about CM Punk so many times by now, but I got to be that guy. I got to ask, when do you feel he'll make his debut and how has he looked in the gym? Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know when he's going to make his debut. I'm not really sure on that one. Um, he just came off an injury. He's back in the gym working hard. I'm actually in Singapore, so I have not seen him, but I'm heard he's back in the gym and working hard uh so i guess we'll just uh wait and see on when his debut is going to be being in the gym and working hard seems like something that that you seem to do a heck of a lot but what what's a guy like you do in your spare time outside the gym i i noticed on your twitter account that you retweeted a disc golf company is that something you're into yeah, yeah they sponsor me uh disc craft sponsors me uh I don't get to play as much as I once did. At one point in my life, I was fairly addicted, and all of my free time went towards disc golf. And then I got a wife, a family, and a dog, and a few businesses. So my, my disc golf time is, is cut down quite a bit. Uh, I still get out at least a couple times a week and get to throw. But no, no, I haven't played any tournaments in a while. So, uh, But yeah, a big passion of mine. And hopefully, once my daughters grow up, they want to throw some discs too. It's funny. I hadn't... I. I knew disc golf was around. There's a few locations up here in Vancouver, BC, um, but yeah, I didn't know. Vancouver before. I didn't know how crazy it was. Like it's like real golf. I went into a sports shop and saw that, yeah. like you actually buy multiple discs depending yeah. on how far you're throwing and whatnot. I, it's crazy. I, I didn't realize that it got to the extent that it did, and it, it's actually quite pricey. No, it's cheap. That's one of my main. I, I sell people on three angles on disc golf. Number one, it's cheap. If you're a new guy, you can get a driver, a mid-range, and a putter for like 40 bucks. Number two, it's free. You go to the park, it's free. You don't have to pay like on a golf course. And number three, it only takes an hour because who really has more than an hour of free time in their day anyways, right? So, uh, man, it's a great sport. I'd go recommend 
You just buy, buy one driver, one mid-range, and one putter, about 40 bucks. You'll be set to roll as many free games of disc golf as you want. I might have to take you up on that. I might, I might have to get into it. But finally, I, I have to ask you, I saw on Wikipedia that one of the nicknames that you had was Rolton. What the heck is that? I have no idea, and I don't know how that got on the Wikipedia page. Uh, you know, Wikipedia can be edited by anybody, so I, I am not sure who put it on there or what that means. <laughs> you had seen it before, though? I had, yeah, and I looked at it like, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> he is Ben Askren. He steps back inside the one championship cage on November 13th against Luis Santos. Thanks a bunch, Ben, for your time. Thanks for staying up. And, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Keep up with your antics and any sponsors you'd like to shout out. Yeah, I just, I just go by my name on all social media. Just at Ben Askren or type in my name. You'll find me, no problem. And then just thank my gyms, Evolve and Rufus Sport, for getting ready to fight. Thanks a lot, Ben. Good luck this weekend, man. Thank you. This guy hasn't been on the show for quite some time. I wanted to welcome him back for UFC 193 to chat a little bit about the women and about what he's had going on in his life because it seems like he's the busiest man in mixed martial arts at this point. Mr. James Lynch joins the show. James, thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, Jeremy. Glad to be here, man. Always uh, always like talking some MMA with a fellow uh, West Coaster. No kidding. Now, as I said there, busiest man in MMA, I, I think that's a hat that has to be tipped to you because, man, I, I recall one weekend, maybe a Sunday, maybe a Saturday, I'm not sure what day it was, but you cracked out something like 15 interviews. What the heck is going on, man? Yeah, no, actually, and, uh, you know, this past weekend, I just did 17, so I kind of broke my old record. Um, you know, I'm one of those people where I, I enjoy uh, getting a lot of stuff done in, in one period of time, and uh, I like using Sundays as a work day, so it just kind of uh, came about where I try and book a lot of my interviews on one day, and I don't mind just kind of pumping it out, so that's uh, that's kind of what I've been up to, and it's good, too, because, you know, you get a lot of content done, and then you're able to spread it out over, you know, the, the next little bit, so, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, it can be a little bit, uh, you know, tedious as far as, uh, you know, doing a lot of interviews interviews back to back, but it's, it's been great too, because I've gotten a lot of content out there in a very short period of time. Yeah. And you're doing, you're doing a few different things now, not just the podcast, but you've got, um, you're lining up these one-on-one -on -one video interviews, which are pretty cool as well. How have you found, uh, those have been faring with the fans and, and the general public out there? Have, have people been digging the video interviews? They have, and that's actually kind of why I've been transitioning more to doing more video interviews. You know, Jeremy, you know this as well as I do. It's very tough to uh, do a lot of interviews without it kind of sounding the same as everyone else's interviews. Uh, there's a lot of print guys out there. My background's in television, my background's in video, so I figured why not try and do more and more of this, and uh, the fighters love it. Uh, to be honest with you, it gets their face out there, and a lot of the guys I interview, you know, are regional guys or, or Canadian fighters or, or guys along those lines, and, you know, they, they need that exposure. I mean, we've seen, you know, all the UFC guys out there a million times, you know, competing and, and on embedded shows and things like that, but a lot of these regional guys we don't get to see a lot of, so it's kind of good for them, and it's good for me too, because uh, it's just a lot easier to, you know, do a video interview than having to transcribe an article which uh, i know you can relate to can yeah. uh, you know be very very annoying so it's uh it, it's nice and it, it kind of uh, gets to put some of my other skills to to work uh, not just with mma no kidding now is it is it tough to find like are all these guys open to to being able to be video interviewed i mean i i'd find that maybe some don't have skype some don't have the ability to do that ha have they all been fairly easy to get to do these video ones 
Yeah, if I had to put it in a, in a percentage, I'd say probably 98% of the people I talk to are cool with doing the video thing. And wow. really, thank, thanks to the uh, the powerful uh, smartphones that we have nowadays, a lot of them have, the, you know, you can just download the Skype app and do it right from your phone. So for a lot of these fighters, they don't even need to have, you know, a computer or a webcam to do the interview. They can do it right off their phone. And, you know, for them, I just explain, hey, listen, just go in there, download the app. It takes about a minute. You sign up, just give me your Skype name and we're good to go. And a lot of fighters, like I said, really love it. They love the fact that they're getting to see the person they're being interviewed and you know you know this as well as I do you know when you're speaking to someone face to face the interview usually goes a lot better because you can kind of get a read on them and, and I feel like in this case it's uh you know you get better quality interviews this way that's fantastic yeah I, I'm digging them man I, I really enjoy what you're putting out there these it. days yeah now I, I also wanted to say congratulations you're a newly married man um Thanks. I have as you said 17 interviews this past Sunday it must be your wife's work day or something like that well, that's just it, Jeremy. Uh, you know, one of my big things for next year, now that the wedding's uh, over and done with, uh, paid all that off, is uh, now I want to go, you know, do as much traveling as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I have a well-paying job, uh, you know, for my nine to five. And, uh, you know, it, it, but living in Toronto, like I'm sure living in Vancouver, very expensive. So you need to have some extra money on the side to kind of do things. So what I do is, you know, I do all my interviews and stuff on the weekends. Uh, my, my wife, she actually has a second job as well. Uh, she actually sells um, uh, wedding gowns. Uh, on the side, she loves doing it. Uh, it's a little bit extra cash for her, so she works on Sundays and Saturdays sometimes. And so I'll try and you know line up my interviews usually the same time she's working, so we're not conflicting. Yeah, knock it out of the park that way, man. Because I know I know from my own experience that sometimes yeah, balance, it definitely yeah. gets tough, man. It, it does. I mean, it takes away from some family time and whatnot, but the interviews have to get done. <laughs> yeah, they do. And that's the thing. I try and schedule it usually on days. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll set a night or two where I'll schedule a lot of my interviews, whether it's for my video interviews or for, for the podcast. And that way, you know, I get them all done in one night and then, you know, I can have the, the extra days during the week to, you know, have date night and all that other great stuff that you get to do with your wife. Right. So there you go. <laughs> for sure. Anything else on the horizon? I mean, you've, you're starting, as you said, the video interviews, any, anything else cool that you got coming? Coming out in the out of the woodwork in the coming future. Nothing, just uh, mainly just plugging the, uh, you know, just kind of pumping out the video interviews, uh, just working with different promotions. I think one of the nice things with these video interviews is it's kind of getting, uh, you know, kind of spreading my net a little bit further. So, you know, I just did a bunch of stuff for uh, Saturday Night Fights, uh, which is an organization out of Saskatchewan, and I uh, interviewed a couple of their guys. So, you know, the plan is going forward to kind of interview more of them and, you know, just kind of uh, progressing with the video interviews and just making them better and better. Uh, you're, like myself, like, uh, like you, I should say, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to technology and trying to improve things. So I actually just got... A, a podcast, a light for my video interviews, um, and uh, it's something that I'm playing around with and trying to, you know, make the background look a little bit better. So mainly for me, it's just kind of, you know, evolving what I already have, both with the video stuff and also with my podcast as well too. Just trying, you know, different things to, to try and, uh, you know, oh, you got to always evolve, right? So that that's kind of what's going on with me for sure. And stuff like that. I mean, it with technology in this day and age, you know, you see the big sites sending guys to each and every event. They're going to different countries and they're doing all that kind of stuff. But with the way technology is these days, there's absolutely no need to spend money on that kind of stuff unless, I mean, it's frivolous spending, if anything, because like you're doing right now, we're chatting and you're in Ontario, I'm in British Columbia, but also you're able to do these video interviews with guys all over the world, all over Canada, whatever. There's no need to get on a plane and go to these events to get the exclusive interviews. You're able to do that from the comfort of your own home now, which I, I think is fantastic in this day and age. 
Yeah, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, there's no, uh, obviously there's no shows out here these days uh, with the Ontario Commission. And I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself. But it's, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to communicate with these guys and not have to leave my place because uh, it's very convenient for me and it's convenient for the fighters, I'm sure, too, because, you know, they can do it right from their phone. It's not like they need to, you know, go somewhere, they you know, be on a, a high tech computer or anything like that. So it's it's kind of a win win for everyone. And I just it's been one of the things I've been really happy with this past year. All right, as I said off the hop, I wanted to chat UFC 193 with you. This one goes down from Australia. According to sources, this is the largest event in UFC history. Let's see if the gate resembles that. If anything goes down, everything goes down as planned. Do you agree that this thing is going to go as planned and, and we will see the largest event in UFC history? I don't think it will be. And uh, I got to give credit to Jay Russell on Twitter. He had a great tweet uh, the other day basically saying that, you know, if this had broken records as far as ticket gates and things like that, we would have already heard about it. I mean, we live in a day and age where social media leaks everything. We have not heard anything in terms of ticket sales. So that leads me to believe that they're not selling this out. And I still think that Toronto is going to hold the record for having, you know, the the biggest event as far as, uh, you know, ticket sales and things like that. I think the pay-per-view will do well, even though it's not that strong of a card outside the, you know, the top, you know, two title fights. Uh, and, and the Whitaker and Hall fight, but uh, you know it's 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 not going to be anything what 129 was in my opinion, and that's taking the Canadian bias, the Toronto bias, <laughs> I should say, aside from everything. It's definitely a card that looks like it's going to have some violence on it. So let's mm-hmm. let's talk the main card, and then I'll get your thoughts on the preliminary action after that. Kicking off the main card, heavyweight Stefan Struve and Jared Rochalt. I mean. You want a slugfest to start off the pay-per-view? This is that. I mean, it, it it could either be something very, very exciting with Stefan Struve and uh, Jared Rochal slugging it out, standing in the pocket, doing what they do best, or, or Rochal could take it to the ground and smother him. And, and we've seen Struve do well off of his back at times, but also he's done not so well. How do you see this fight playing out? Do you see it being exciting or do you see it being a boring fight? I think it's going to be a boring fight. And the reason I think it's going to be a boring fight is because I think Jared Rochalt's going to win this fight. I, I see a lot of people picking Stefan Struve, and uh, I just haven't been impressed, you know, aside from, you know, the health issues that he's had. I mean, even in his last fight against a guy like Big Nog, he, I don't think he looked that great. And, you know, we're talking about a guy in Nog who, you know, barely could walk to the octagon. And that's, you know, not being disrespectful. He's just an old guy and taking a lot of punishment. Uh, Rochalt, you know, he, he's his bread and butter is his wrestling, and he gets it done when he does out wrestle his opponents. He's a former NCAA Division I wrestler. If he can get on the inside and and uh, you know take uh, Struve down and control him, which is what I think he's going to do. I think we're going to be in for kind of a snooze fest. But that's all Rochalt needs to do. If you try and stand and trade with Struve, you're going to probably lose. Struve's got the height and reach advantage. Not going to be the best strategy. So I think Rochalt will try and make this a kind of a dull one. But he's got to get the W here. You know he's coming off a loss, so he he needs this for sure. That's what I was going to say. He needs to do what he has to do to win and. Sometimes the fans don't like that. Sometimes us media don't like that. But if that's what he has to do, that's what he's got to do. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the day, he's he's got to get the win. I mean, two losses in a row. We've seen how quickly uh, the UFC will cut guys. So I think they, you know, Rochalt needs to win this fight. Struve's coming off the win. I think it's just one of those things where Rochalt needs to remind people that he is, you know, a decent fighter in the heavyweight division. And if you're going to do that, you got to stick with the game plan. A very exciting fight uh, up next, middleweights Robert Whitaker and Uriah Hall. Hall coming back in there very shortly after his last performance. Whitaker um, shocked a lot of the world in his fight against Brad Tavares with his last victory. How do you see this one playing out? 
Well, I'm going to do a cheap plug here. Uh, it's not up yet, but it's going to be up soon. I have an article uh, about Whitaker and Hall up on uh, Sportsnet.ca, and I basically talk about how you know Robert Whitaker is is kind of the division's dark horse at this point, and I think that's going to continue here. You know, he's the underdog in this fight against Uriah Hall. Uh, Hall obviously coming off that huge win over Gegard Musashi, but I like Whitaker here. You know, Whitaker is a great striker. He packs a lot of punch. Uh, he's a guy that can uh, you know really get it done when you least expect it. And uh, the fact that he's fighting at home, the fact that he's fighting a fellow striker. You know, the one thing with Hall is that if he doesn't get off his foot, you know, right off the, the get-go as far as dictating the pace, he tends to kind of freeze up a little bit. We've seen this in fights with, you know, John Howard and, and Rafael Natal. Whitaker will get in your face. He will make it dirty. I, I like Whitaker in this fight, and, and I think he can take it the full distance and just outstrike your eye Hall. Um, you know, Hall's obviously a little bit more unorthodox, but I think Whitaker's got the power that will score him points with the judges. Now, you mentioned Hall's latest victory against Gegard Mousasi. I, I, I didn't get a chance to chat with you about this following that contest. I got to ask you, since I know how big a fan you are of uh, Gegard, what were your thoughts on that matchup and, and did it hurt the heart? It did hurt the heart, and the worst part about it was I found out about this on my wedding night because that was in that was the fight that was in uh, Japan, and so I, you know, I couldn't watch the card. I was getting married, and I saw it was actually Nick Baldwin who you had on your show last <laughs> week tweet me something on Twitter saying, "Oh, Lynch Sports is going to be devastated," and of course I saw the replay later that Hall had uh, finished uh, Musashi, and I was stunned. Um, you know, I, I think nine times that, you know, I'm not just saying this cause I'm a big Musashi guy, but I, I feel like if they had a rematch, I think Musashi would win. I just think it was one of those things where he got caught, you know, Hall took advantage, full credit to Hall, you know, did, you know, definitely hit him pretty hard there and, you know, finished him off. And, you know, uh, Musashi is a guy who's, I, I don't believe has ever been uh, even knocked out, at least not in the UFC. So, I mean, for him to go and do that, that was very impressive. So, uh, it was great, but, uh, you know, Musashi, I, hopefully this is a wake up call. I think the biggest problem with him is he just will not train with a high level camp he won't come over to north america hopefully this is his wake-up call uh, losing a knockout fight like that definitely all right two guys that could be on their way um at the tail end of their careers i would say mark hunt and antonio bigfoot silva this one's gotta be a fight that both men have to win i'd say mm-hmm. um it's a fight where one guy is likely gonna hit the canvas very very hard Mark Hunt has been uh, stopped before, but it was very, very tough for people to do. Antonio Silva has had a chin of glass as of late. Uh, what do you think in this matchup, and who are you picking? Mark Hunt all the way. Uh, I just, you know, Antonio Silva is one of those guys that uh, has looked absolutely horrible since uh, coming off TRT and, and everything else. I've seen people all over social media saying this is going to be like the first fight. It absolutely is not. It's going to be something, I, I think this is going to be boring, but I think Mark Hunt is going to get the knockout here. Uh, you know, Soa Paleli almost finished Antonio Silva in their first fight. Soa Paleli is not known for his power. He's not known for a guy who's going to outstrike you. You're facing one of the, still, you know, despite all his damage and everything, you're still facing one of the the hardest punchers in the heavyweight division of Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt's going to connect at some point in this fight and he's going to put Silva to sleep. I would be very shocked if Antonio Silva pulled this one out. I know he did it last time. A lot of people picked against him against Soa Paleli, but uh, I think Mark Hunt's going to get it done and I think he's going to you know get another nice uh, KO. But with that said, Hunt has taken a lot of damage in his last yeah. couple of fights, especially the Miocic fight, which uh, I think a lot of us agree should have been stopped way earlier. Do you think if Silva loses this, he hangs up the gloves? think maybe they give him one more just because the heavyweight division is is very kind of shallow outside your top contenders but uh you know for for if, if i'm his you know career counselor or advisor or whatever i'm telling him to retire <laughs> i mean that's way too much punishment no kidding women's strawweight championship up for grabs in the co-main event joanna young 
puts her title on the line against Valerie Letourneau. Now, this one, I, I don't know whether it stunned people, but it, it shocked me a little bit when Letourneau got this fight. Um, do you think she has anything for the champion? I think she'll do a lot better than people think. Uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of written off Letourneau and there. I saw someone comparing her fight to uh, Elizabeth Phillips in Vancouver and, and things like that. And it's like, come on, you can't even compare that fight. It was a different weight class and everything else. Letourneau, look, one thing we have to talk about here is Letourneau has experience, okay? That is one thing you cannot deny about her. She, you know, she's fought Sarah McMahon. She's fought Alexis Davis. She fought Claudia Gadea. A lot of people don't know that. She fought Claudia Gadea up in Canada. So lost a split decision, but still, I mean, that's something that, to make note of. Um, you know, Letourneau trains at a great camp with the American top team. Uh, you know, she's training with some of the top female fighters, but I know for this camp specifically, she's been working with guys because, you know, Yen Jacek, she does hit very hard. So I think, I think Letourneau is going to put on a good showing, but it will just be a matter of time before Yen Jacek does get the TKO finish. I think she'll finish Letourneau. Uh, just this, her striking is just on another level and, and I don't think anyone can compete, but I, you know, the odds as far as what they're at, I, I don't think they're accurate. I think Letourneau is going to put up a better fight than people think. I think something she has for her advantage is that she's a little bit bigger. Her size, um, if she is able to get to the inside and sort of make this a a clinch game, we Mm -hmm. we haven't seen anyone be able to do that to Yunjaychik. So if Letourneau is able to grab her, hold her down, do something like that, it might be a different story for Joanna Champion. It, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the fact that Letourneau's big. Uh, Yen Jacek's a, a little bit big as well, too. And and the thing that we should be keeping an eye on here is the, the weight cut for both of them. I know Letourneau has, you know, had some struggles getting down to 115. Being in Australia, is that going to... You know, factor in it all, not being, you know, not fighting in Canada. So, uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. But as far as, uh, you know, her getting on the inside and things like that, it's possible. I, I just, I feel like we're going to get a good fight here. It's, I, I, I honestly envision a fight where, it, you know, Yanjacek's going to win, but Letourneau's going to win over a lot of fans, even in defeat, because she's going to go out there and put it all on the line. And, you know, she's been in this sport. She's, you know, she's gone through the days when, you know, TriStar Gym did, wasn't even training female fighters and she was there, you know, since the beginning. She's pissed off. She wants to, you know, remind people that she is a top contender and I think she'll put on a good showing, but she'll ultimately lose. <laughs> Talk about complete polar opposites in terms of the challengers for the two championship fights in this event. We said Letourneau's got to get to the inside to do something. Well, in the main event, Holly Holm has to stay to the outside to be able to beat Ronda Rousey. Are you surprised that there are people out there picking Holly Holm? Because, yes, she has the boxing credits. She, uh, it looks like her last two fights, you know, people were dogging them because they were just, he, she was picking her opponents apart. But ultimately, those picking apart fights were her training in order to get this Ronda Rousey fight and training for Ronda Rousey. So how would you see this? Are you, are you surprised that there are people out there picking her or, or are you one of the guys that sort of, uh, maybe Holly Holm has a chance? No, I, I don't. I'm not a maybe guy at all. I'm, I'm a definite no on Holly Holm winning this fight, and it's nothing against her personally. I just I've not been, uh, you know, like George St. Pierre says, I haven't been impressed with her uh, since she's uh, been in the octagon. I mean, nothing about her really stands out and says, hey, she's going to challenge Rousey. She's got the boxing credentials. Fair enough, I'll give that to her. But I mean, all Ronda has to do is take this to the ground and submit her, and it's game over. Holly Holm, ground game non-existent at this point. Um, you know, and and I think the people who are picking Holly Holm are picking her because they want to be the the, the 
the, the one guy who said, oh, I told you, Holmes yeah. was going to win. I had yeah. one guy argue with me, uh, you know, that, that Holmes is going to win this fight because Greg Jackson comes up with great game plans. Well, guess what? I, it's not going to matter. Ronda Rousey is an elite athlete. She she will get it. It's the second she grabs a hold of Holly Holm, it's going on the ground judo style. She's going to go in there, either ground and pound finish or, or go for the submission. If she's smart, she'll get the submission because, again, Holm has not been tested on the ground. Rousey's one of the best. I just, yeah, to me, this is this this fight is way more of a squash match, if you want to call, call it one, uh, compared to Joanna Jacek and Letourneau, in my opinion. Do you think that ultimately Ronda gets into every single one of her opponent's heads despite not actually trying to? Because it seems like they all play right into her game plan. Her mm-hmm. last fight, she wanted to stand and bang. Betch did that. They they both slugged it out. That's what happened. Every other fight, every other fighter has wanted to come in there and clinch. And it made me crazy when uh, Misha Tate, in the second fight when she fought Ronda Rousey, she was picking her apart from the outside, yet she wanted to pick her apart and then come in and clinch. Now, why are fighters doing this? I don't understand. Holly Holm has the distance and the length to be able to pick her apart from the outside, but ultimately in their heads, for some reason, they want to get to the inside. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, maybe it's that split second thing where you think you can do something another fighter can. I mean, Kat Zingano like jumped at Rousey and it yeah. ended up being horrible. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of those things. I you know I I'm not a fighter. I mean, I, the only thing I can kind of say is you know potentially that it's one of those things where in their head maybe their ego whatever gets in the way and says, hey, listen, I'm going to do something that another fighter can't do, and maybe that's why they decide to do it. But yeah, I'm with you. If Holmes smart, you stay on the outside, you pick your shots, you let Rousey come to you. Uh, you don't want to get in her her you know hot zone as Robin. Black Black likes to say. <laughs> All right, looking at the rest of the card, what else on this card stands out for you, and, and what's your fight of the night? I'll be honest, this isn't a great card in my opinion. Definitely not a pay-per-view. If we're looking at this, uh, you know, and want to make comparisons, I mean, it's outside the two title fights and obviously Whitaker and Hall. I mean, this doesn't look any different than a Canada card. A lot of local Aussie guys, I get they got to cater to the market, but I mean, for the average viewer, I, I just don't think it's a very, uh, you know, appealing card. Um, I like the first fight of the night. I like Ben Nugent and, and, and Ryan Benoit. Uh, Benoit coming off that win over uh, Pettis. Uh, he's looked great. Uh, I think that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, you've got uh, John Volante, who's a heavy favorite against Perosh. Uh, Jake Matthews is back. That's that's another fight uh, worth noting. Um, but for me, the, the fight of the night, and I, I I would be shocked if this doesn't end up being the fight of the night, is Whitaker and Hall. I just think you've got, you know, two middleweights who are just dying to get to that contender status. And, you know, either one, if they get an impressive victory, can definitely put themselves in that category because it's gone through a bit of uh, transition at this point. You know, Machida, guys like that are not the contenders anymore. It's your guys like Yoel Romero, you know, Jacare, uh, you know, Luke Rockhold, guys like that. And, and so it's we're in this transition period, and I think these guys are going to join that list, uh, whoever wins this fight. He is James Lynch. He is half of the hosting duties of the Parting Shot podcast. He's also got stuff over at MMA Oddsbreaker, sportsnet.ca, as he said earlier. But if there's anything else you want to give shout-outs to, James, uh, let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. The floor is yours, man. Awesome. Well, uh, right off the bat, I'll give you a little exclusive here. Uh, this weekend on the podcast, we haven't announced it yet. We're going to have Jason High on the show, a World Series of Fighting Fighter, uh, going to be taking on Estevan Payan on that WSOF 25 card. He's actually not in that lightweight tournament. Some people got confused by that. Uh, he's not participating in that. We're also going to be joined by uh, Kareem Zidane of uh, BloodyElbow.com, uh, who's been uh, really busy traveling all over the place doing commentary for M1 and and all these things. So we're going to get to him about that. And we have a third guest, which I won't announce yet because uh, we're just waiting for it to be confirmed. But it's a, it's definitely an interesting uh, guest. I'll just I'll, I'll leave it at that. And then you can always follow me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. I'm always pumping out stuff. So follow me, chat, uh, even, even not just MMA. I'll talk some hockey, too. 
The Canucks are looking damn good for a team that no one thought was going to do well this season. Well, I'll say this. Uh, the thing that's kind of bothering me is they keep blowing these leads. Uh, you know, I, last night they, they managed to pull it out. Uh, but, I mean, that's Columbus, uh, you, know, uh, the, you know, when they lost to, um, where, you know, Buffalo and all these other teams. I mean, they, they, the thing that concerns me is they're blowing these leads. At le- I mean, at the very least, if you're going to lose, lose badly. I mean, they're, 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 you know, they've got these leads and they're blowing and it's just they, they can't get it done at crunch time. I, I, but Markstrom looked great last night. I got to give him that. I agree with the blown leads, but at this point in the season, yes, it's still early. We're a month in, but, you know, they're a team that was expected to be in last place from the start of the season to the end of the season. And True. they're not there right now. They're actually scoring some goals and having some fun hockey out there. Guys like McCann and Vertanen and even Markstrom in net looking great. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that. I think they're a benefit of a division where teams are very much underperforming. Calgary, what's going on there? Anaheim, what's going on there? I mean, those are teams that have not done well. And trust me, I would love the Canucks to make the playoffs and continue uh, their thing. But I just uh, the frustrating part for me is that these damn leads, they're, they're in these games and then they end up losing them. And that's something that's got to get fixed. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always an exciting ride. And uh, even out here in Ontario, I definitely keep uh, keep up with the Canucks. So i got to support them. Anyways, James, it's been a blast. I know you're busy. you got another interview lined up right around the corner here, so I'll let you go. But thanks a bunch, man. I, I really enjoy chatting with you. And as always, I'll, I'll have you back again fairly soon, man. Awesome. And I'll return the favor. Got to get you back on our show, too. So uh, always appreciate it, Jeremy. Thanks a lot, buddy. No problem. Cheers. Have a good night. Here's James Lynch, uh, writer at MMA Oddsbreaker and Sportsnet.ca. Uh, You can catch him over there. You can catch him every Sunday, the Parting Shot podcast, as well as some Parting Shot extras and uh, video content he's got going on. He is all over the place. As I said, he is probably the busiest man in mixed martial arts at this point. So thank you to him for joining the show. Thank you to my first guest, Ben Askren, who takes on Luis Santos this Friday, live from Singapore at One Championship 32 Pride of Lions. Thank you to my sponsors, ProAmBelts.com, for all your championship belt needs. Check them out. You can get stuff. Anything you need, championship belt-wise, you can get from them. Floathouse.ca, sensory deprivation tank stuff. If you don't know, listen to Joe Rogan talk about float tanks. This guy, man, he, he knows what he's talking about. He's got one in his own house. Um, floathouse.ca, these guys, Mike Zaramba and his brother, they put on a podcast themselves called Vancouver Real, so check that out and check out floathouse.ca. Unique Kennels is uh, my biggest sponsor on the show. I'd like to thank them. Check them out at Unique Kennel 71 on Twitter and uh, for all your bulldog needs. These guys rock. So make sure you check out MMA Sucker on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucker. On Twitter, at MMA Sucker. Follow myself on Twitter, at JeremyBrand604. And I would like to thank you immensely for listening to this episode of the show. With that, I'm out. So what seeds to do was open this the breath of fresh air that I needed. Just an average dude, and now I've become a catalyst. Make connection between fighters and fans. Can you imagine it? I've learned to manage it. Analyst analysis, study the sport in every point because I'm passionate. I play the advocate and sometimes the antagonist. Building up the hype before a fight, this ain't by accident. 
in the world of mixed martial arts, I'm the evangelist spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness, that's when we collaborate. Mikey Rock and Jeremy Brandis, we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans, and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision, and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.